0: Hello and welcome to Plot This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas. This was published in 2015 and is the first book in the
1: shockingly named Court of Thorns and Roses trilogy.
0: (laughs) So I will say Lane had previously read this book and talked to me about it a little bit. Um, but we know there's a new release and this is just such a popular book. We thought, well, we can't ignore it, even though it's not pure romance. And
1: so when I was sort of explaining to Meg this book, what I, th- I think is most unique about the series is the evolution of the romantic pairing, especially in book two. So Meg was spoiled on what happens on the romance side of things in the second book. So just be prepared that. I've read the whole series already. Meg's only read this book, but she does know where it's headed in, like, the, specifically the romance aspect. So that is absolutely going to be coloring our review. We will do our best to stick to spoiler-free and just to this book in this episode. But be aware, we know what's coming.
0: <laughs> we, we know what's coming. <laughs> uh, well, let's read the book jacket. Feyre's survival rests upon her ability to hunt and kill. The forest where she lives is a cold, bleak place in the long winter months. So when she spots a deer in the forest being pursued by a wolf, she cannot resist fighting it for the flesh. But to do so, she must kill the predator, and killing something so precious comes at a price. Dragged to a magical kingdom for the murder of a fairy,
1: Feyre discovers that her captor... His face, obscured by a jeweled mask, is hiding far more than his piercing green eyes would suggest. Vera's presence at the court is a closely guarded, and sh- as she begins to learn why, her feelings for him turn from hostility to passion, and the Fairylands become an even more dangerous place. Vera must fight to break an ancient curse, or she will lose him forever. The first paragraph of this book jacket could literally be for The Hunger Games.
0: Oh, it could. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. This is, I, you know what? You said that and I'm like, oh, maybe this is kind of Hunger Games. See, she's got the bow and she's good at it. a huge role in this book.
1: Yep. But Even though she, she ends up sort of, she ends up having to go through trials effectively to prove something. Which I think has could potentially have some parallels to the Hunger Games, but during that, it's not like her skill with the bow really matters. It's it's not a, no. a goal test.
0: No, it's not. They don't. The, it, there's nothing with the bow, and she's good at it. She's good at it. She's actually very good at hunting. Um, but when she doesn't have to do it anymore, she doesn't want to. She's like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to shoot anything. Yeah. So overall, this jacket's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I'm I'm going to be honest, I would have done, if I had written this jacket, Lane, I probably would have done what you dislike, and I would have written something like, in a new retelling of Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because you don't, I feel like you don't get that it is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And uh, for me, personally, it would have drawn me in more than this. Because, guys, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I do like reading fantasy and science fiction. I'm not a huge young adult fan. I will say that when I read this, and her name is Feyre, spelled F-E-Y-R-E, so you don't really know how you're supposed to pronounce it, number one. And then number two, they spell fairy F-A-E-R-I-E. I would not had picked this book up <laughs> yeah so this is not
1: meg's thing <laughs> through and through. <laughs> just, i'm not just, as i said i read the whole series and i like only sort of re-skimmed the book in the last week in prep for the podcast i'd sort of forgotten this story starts out as a beauty and the beast retelling because the second and third book totally deviate from that mm-hmm so it's very, it was easy for me to forget that this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And the second I started re-skimming and I'm like, oh my God, this is like word for word to a degree. Yeah. Like, it's not just yeah. him who's bearing the weight of a curse. It's his whole
0: court. And like, mm-hmm. it's
1: ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yep. It, it is. It really is. And I mean, yes, there's, there's more, the trials become more intense, right? It's more than just saying, I love you. Um but a, a
1: rose loses its petals or whatever
0: right <laughs> right but there are thorns and roses plain a court of thorns there's a whole court of them there's a lot of thorns and roses okay.
1: so as usual we generated a random number and wrote our own summaries and this week the random number was 44 so my summary who's afraid of the big bad wolf not Feyre, who needs to eat, but also it's not a wolf, so she's obligated to go to a magical land where only love can save the man she's in Stockholm Syndrome with and all his people.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's it. <laughs> um, here's mine. Girl lives in a luxurious fairy prison. Her captors never tell her anything except to give her commands she does not follow. Of course, the one time she does follow commands, it dooms her one true love to eternal servitude and everyone else to death. Okay, so there's some spoilers in that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did that spoil <laughs> Beauty and the Beast for you? <laughs> it just
1: leans a lot harder into the consequences than <laughs> Beauty and the Beast did. Well, I
0: that was my... You may notice that I did have some issues with that book that was my biggest <laughs> issue <laughs> what what can i tell you <laughs> i i don't know what to tell you um tropes i mean the the tropes are all fairy tale tropes she was tricked into a secret magic contract
1: and in modern young adult sense the girl with the bow is the only thing keeping her family solvent
0: mhm she falls for her captor so Yes, her cursed this captor the and the beauty. Her cursed captor, correct.
1: There is the beginnings of a love triangle set up in this book.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. There, the series there is are very much the, a love triangle series, but yeah. this book is only sort of beginning to set that up.
0: I will. Okay. Yeah. 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 we well, we'll talk about it later. But yes, I. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And and yes there are some Hunger Games sort of trials to save your beloved. Yeah, the the reasoning is very different, but I think kind of the last couple
1: of tropes Meg mentioned in particular gets into sort of my biggest impression of the book, which mm-hmm. is right now especially in young adult, the unexceptional woman is put in exceptional circumstances in first person narration is huge in YA lit. Right yeah. Now especially Absolutely. why I fantasy lit and I, I to me this first book in the series didn't do anything to really break the mold on that front especially being a Beauty and the beast retelling which we've covered so many of uh, of on this podcast already like i think one of the big things that stuck out to me is just it's more sexually explicit than i've come to expect from young adult yeah i think this is like fine i liked this book enough that on a friend's recommendation i kept reading and finished the series But for me, I've read a lot of versions of this exact setup, and this is very middle-of-the-pack to me.
0: Yeah. For me, the hardest part of this book was how intellectually incurious she is. I mean, she's doomed to spend the rest of her life in fairyland away from her family, and... She there are things that she can do to better herself or to make her captivity less horrible. And she like doesn't do them. There's a so I did think this was kind of funny. There's this Beauty and the Beast spin where there's this huge, amazing library that is so cool. And she goes into it and she's like, wow, this library, except guys, Farah cannot read. And her captor, Tansen, offers to help her to read. But she's so embarrassed about looking stupid in front of him that she doesn't learn to read. And I'm like, yes, that's really the best way to not look stupid is to continue your stupidity and ignorance. I don't know. I, I, you know, she didn't ask them any questions about what's going on. There was a time where... She did want to ask questions, but she decided she didn't want to ask them of the people she's actually living with in the house. And so instead, she goes out and has to trap a fairy that's super dangerous to ask it questions. And I was like, wouldn't, look, I have nothing against thinking, okay, I can't get any straight answers out of these people because they're my captors and I need to go and find my answer somewhere else. If they had set that up, I think it would have okay was, Uh, I don't really want to ask Hanson for help, so I'll just go ask this thing that he says is super dangerous for help instead. I I don't get it, Lane. I just don't understand. Yeah,
1: and I think some of her intellectual and curiosity and melancholy, like, she has been kidnapped. It is a bummer. She's clearly depressed and going through some mental health issues in a way that's never quite fully articulated.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think from a character development perspective, there was some of this in a like I'm trying like Katniss Everdeen. I know we've made the comparison with Hunger Games in the beginning, but I think sort of these characters who don't rise to the occasion on some level mm-hmm. are interesting. I don't find them as interesting
0: to read. Like cool, you right. spend a lot of time watching your bedroom. Right. Right. Exactly. And I don't know. On on the one hand, if it had been explored as this is a depression, or this is whatever, I think I would have been more accepting or understanding of it. But... But doesn't have the language to understand that. Right, but you... There could have been a way to express it to the reader instead of just, I am sitting in my bedroom, and I'm bored. Fair. I don't know I like for okay so speaking of the Hunger Games I actually loved the Hunger Games I love those books I thought they were really good oh see I don't um, like them but yeah no there. I, I thought they were great um and I was very interested I, I felt like the character there like yes she is similar and that she, she's not gonna try to better herself or whatever but I could understand her motivations more I guess I just didn't understand Bear's motivations
1: She didn't really have many in this book. Not going to lie. Exactly. It was basically like, I am kidnapped. What am I doing?
0: Her overarching motivation is to protect the people that she loves. Right. So she goes with these fair people because she loves her family. Who, by the way, is horrible. Like the nastiest family ever. Okay. So. It's such a trope, by the way. One of three
1: sisters She's the practical one who has helped them survive. There's the nasty one, and there's the sweetest pie one.
0: The sweetest pie one who doesn't realize that she's putting a burden on her family. Yep. Um. So she leaves this terrible family to protect them, and then at the end conflict is she goes and she puts herself into great danger to protect the man that she falls in love with.
1: Hmm.
0: And, okay, you know what? Like, that's fine. I feel like if you had cut out 200 pages and made this, like, a really tight book, I might have been like, okay, fine. There wasn't time to show them falling in love, right? But there was, like, 200 pages that could have been devoted to her falling in love with Tansen, And they were... That's not what we got in 200 pages.
1: And, you know, she's... Been in survival mode for a long time. She's, you know, her romantic history with men isn't like nothing. She's not a virgin in the book or anything. Mm -hmm. But she has kind of felt abandoned by men in her life previously. Her father's emotionally checked out. The guy she has been with, you know, they've disappointed her. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I get this is exactly Beauty and the Beast. He's surly, but because of proximity, she sort of starts projecting positive attributes onto him, and then it sort of feels like he doesn't necessarily live up to them in text, but she definitely believes in him. Yeah. I think it becomes better and more understandable with the hindsight of where the series is going, which I think is funny because I know you have the exact opposite reaction. Like, based on where the series is going, why did this even matter?
0: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yes and here's the thing though too with beauty and the beast is yes i i certainly have seen people talk about it as being sort of a stockholm syndrome story where you know she's she's um imprisoned by this person and then she slowly softens towards him but he actually is like really nice to her and then At the end of Beauty and the Beast, she actually has a lot of agency. She chooses to leave him, and he says, okay, you know, you can go. That does not happen in this book. She does not choose to leave him. He makes her leave. So For her own good. Right, for her own good, which the whole time he's been telling her to do shit. And she's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. So, like, for example, he's like, don't come out during the rite. It's really dangerous. Don't come out during the rite of spring because bad shit will happen. The rite like, of spring oh. is a pagan sex festival, if anyone's wondering. In, in case you're wondering, yeah. I mean, check out the Stravinsky uh, ballet because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> um so she's told like stay in your room during the rite of spring it's really dangerous like they they tell her it's dangerous don't come out and she comes out anyway she's like i'm gonna come do it and Then there's another time where she's she's out with this other dude and he's like don't drink fairy wine it's really bad for you And she's like i don't give a shit and she like chokes back three glasses of it she's like fairy wine all night uh, and then finally she falls in the- <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And then they consummate their love. And the next day he's like, okay, now you got to leave. You have to leave me. And I love you so much, but it's for your own good. You need to leave. And she's like, okay, sounds good. Put me in the carriage. Ciao. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess I was just frustrated too with like, there's, there's setting up her character to be this like, you know, I'm an independent woman. I do what I want. I don't do what you tell me to do. And then she, the one time where it really matters, she just rolls over. So, I don't know. Yeah. It, remind me, it reminded me, actually, of Psyche and Cupid, the myth of Psyche and Cupid. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're like, don't do this, don't do this. And in Psyche and Cupid, she she gets convinced, you know, oh, I should... I should look at him at night, even though they told me I didn't. And so she she breaks his um, she goes against his command. And then she has to go through all these trials to get him back. And the trials are really all about, okay, I should really probably follow directions of people who are wiser than me. But like, I'm not sure what the moral is here because every time she doesn't do what she's supposed to do, it ends up fine. And then the one time she does follow directions, it was really the wrong decision. <laughs> well, and
1: it's funny. I, I think you're right. I, I hadn't picked up on the Psyche and Cupid parallels when I read this, but I think this one is very Psyche and Cupid. Mm-hmm. And I think the next one is Persephone so I think, like all three of them have their own parallels to Greek mythology and different myths, yeah,
0: yeah, well, I mean i I'm gonna be honest, guys, I was having a really rough time reading this, and i I was <laughs> hoping <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed fundamentally, so she's been kidnapped and brought
1: to Prithian or whatever because mm-hmm. they need her help breaking a curse they need someone's help breaking a curse and because of the situation she was in with the wolf and the deer it's now her they don't explain what's going on to her because of the curse and in like, terms of it and yeah. they can't but he is lying to her constantly and getting mad at her a lot for reasons she doesn't understand So it kind of really underscores the lack of communication issue that always frustrates Meg and I in romance novels. It's like rocketed up to 11
0: here. Yeah, they, they weren't talking to each other. They were choosing not to talk to each other. She didn't want to talk to him. And then he was choosing not to talk to her. And then when they do talk to each other, she's not asking any questions and he's lying about everything. Yes. So, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> should we move to offensiveness we can
1: so I'm not going to lie to you I wasn't offended by this book like I said to me it was the setup of an interesting premise in that you've got this world where humans and the magical realm are separated by treaty there's a mystery of what's going on in the magical land that a human girl gets sucked into I didn't think it broke the mold, but I like enjoyed it. Nothing stuck out to me as particularly problematic.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, besides besides the whole they fall in love for no reason, which I'm not, not offended by. That's not I'm not offended by that. It was just I personally found it kind of boring. For me, what was hardest to read, actually, about this book was how much violence there was. There was a lot of violence. It was, like, torture. Um, she gets, she breaks her ribs. She breaks her arms. She rolls around in, in, like, worm shit, and then it gets in her infected shoulder. Like, to me, that was really um, gross <laughs> and, and tough to read. So, for me, the violence was really um, kind of over the top. For what I what, for my preferences and and I like I was just saying I do like the Hunger Games but I feel like the violence was was slightly different there I, I don't know maybe I'm just rationalizing because I liked one and didn't like this one but I was very surprised at how violent it was it did not strike me as particularly violent at all
1: <laughs> which Meg is right like it's <laughs> I was just so you-
0: surprised.
1: But it's, it's what you take note of, right? Like, apparently I can read mm-hmm. pretty gnarly, gory scenes and they just don't stick out to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it is interesting because there are other things we've talked about in in other books where you're like, I could not stand that. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, they did what? I didn't even remember that they did that, you know? Yeah, I, and- I will say, I was surprised that the part where she rolls around in the worm shit and it got in her wound, didn't bother you. Totally forgot that happened. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I've run it up. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, I was offended by that, but not enough to remember it. It it was, that was, that was the one that actually got me the most. I was like, oh my God, this is disgusting and horrible. And they didn't even let her take a bath afterwards, Lane. Oh my God, it was horrible. Okay. Okay. So I uh, clearly okay. blocked that out. Yeah. You I must have it. blocked it out because now I'm mentioning it and you're going to be like, oh, I can't read this book ever again. Yeah, seriously. Ugh. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. Um, so anything else offends you other than the high level of violence?
0: Um, I actually, no. She, she does not, not get, there's no like sexual abuse. Um. there's there's not even much so yes there's a lot of physical violence but it's not like physical abuse she's not in an abusive relationship or anything like that so um, so no I don't think there's anything like that I mean I guess in general just the toxic relationships like every single relationship she has is toxic with her family also with Tamsin she doesn't seem to have any friends right um, so, very I think in general, the relationship character. dynamics are. Yes. yes. So, I would say the relationship dynamics are problematic, but let's be completely honest. I read historical romance all the time, and those relationships can be very toxic too, uh, and they don't offend me. So.
1: Okay. Meg really didn't like this book, you guys. We're
0: <laughs> reading the next two. She doesn't I'm have a
1: choice.
0: Sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all of you Court of Thorns and Roses fans out there.
1: So, um, did you find this book sexy?
0: No, I didn't.
1: (laughs) So this is one of those, uh, like I said, for me, the whole series is sort of blending together in my head. I know I think book two is pretty sexy. Okay. Not in a, like, Not in the context of historical romance, like it doesn't compare, but in the context of these young adult fantasy novels, I I think it's much, the chemistry between the two main characters in that one is much, much more riveting to me. Yeah. In this one, I remember thinking, like this to me reads as very young adult woman, young girl or like older girl coming to terms with her sexuality.
0: And I yeah. I don't find that
1: particularly sexy.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah I don't disagree with you. So she she had a a sexual relationship with a boy in her town, and I'm I'm saying like boy and girl because I I think it's made very clear that it was a uh, you know youthful liaison. Right, and neither of them expected anything more. And she literally says, you know, it was just some some comfort. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I actually that I didn't offend. It wasn't sexy, but I thought it was. I thought it was to have included in the book, to to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was. I thought it was good that part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then her relationship with Tamsin. If if I had liked them together, I probably would have thought it was more sexy because. Mm -hmm. You know, once once they get together, they can't keep their hands off each other. They're literally in, <laughs> like, a, uh, a malevolent court and, you know, being spied on all the time. And they still manage to break away and have a total makeout session.
1: Oh, so, in the
0: hallway. That was pretty hot. That was the hottest part. That was, for me, that was the hottest, absolutely the hottest encounter in the book.
1: I just will say for people this series as a whole, I don't think as much in this book, but we're going to get there, really leans hard on the, like, your mate, your man, your male, your lord,
0: my female,
1: my woman. I don't like that. I don't know why. I think it's, like, it, it makes sense, right? She's gone into this other world that has different customs and language for expressing itself and, like, but I think because, to me, in our context, that sort of language of ownership is often used derogatorily especially toward women yeah and I think leaning really hard on the possessives can bother me if the plot sort of makes it clear that there's this increased degree of like ownership that society perceives Mm -hmm. so I think for me the by the third book that stuff is a little too prevalent and takes away from the sex for me Yeah, but so like just sort of know that's where the book is headed. But I think this one, I did like the scenes between her and Tam. I thought they were more explicit than you usually get from this like young adult fantasy stuff. Oh, absolutely. I I did buy their physical connection more than their emotional one. So I think the fact that the scenes where they were closest to each other were physical worked really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I remembered what I wanted to mention, and I think it works here. So I'll mention it. I I will say there's another person. So Lane sort of mentioned the love triangle thing, and there's this other guy who is um she she makes a bargain with him to basically to heal her from the worm shit. And um, oh, I totally I blacked that out, and I'm so mad at you. I'm sorry. (laughs) And uh, I will say. That if I hadn't known where this was going, I would have been more upset that she didn't consider him more as a uh, partner. Okay. Because I, I think that if just taking this book on its own, I probably would have been like, girl, there is this other dude here who seems like a little smarter than Tam, probably able to help you out a little more than him. So realizing that this you are a triangle to. series
1: was a relief for you right
0: <laughs> correct so I will say that part I was like okay I can take this because otherwise I would have been like girl it would have been like a Jacob Edward thing where mm-hmm. you're like like you're still kind of upset right that, that Bella never really considered Jacob you know <laughs> <laughs> Like, just think about it. Just be like, hmm, you know? (laughs) And I think I would have been more upset if I didn't know a little bit about where this was leading. So I will say that. I do.
1: I think this series, in my opinion, is best considered as a whole. Okay. So I'll be interested to see. I don't think you're going to love it, Meg. I'm not I'm not selling it to you. And I didn't think you were going to love it when we first started talking about it. But I do think what it does to deviate from the mold is the way the series as a whole is constructed, not any individual plot in an individual book.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not sure why I felt so strongly about it. I do feel like I'm getting older <laughs> and the further away I get from like my teen years I'm like oh god you know <laughs> and this was a very youthful relationship you know yes so I think maybe that's why it was tough for me too
1: but um so I know that however this. How it is. Like, this series is really all over the place right now, so if you've been interested in checking it out and you typically like this type of young adult fantasy construction and first-person narration from a young woman's point of view, it is absolutely worth checking out if you like that genre.
0: And, you know, maybe I will feel differently after I read the next books in the series. This book did not strike me as being particularly special in any way, but... I'm going to be reading the whole series with Lane, and my feelings may change in the future. So thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out on the internet. Goodreads and Instagram at Plot Trists.